Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for gathering us here in safety. We ask, O Lord, to feel Thy presence and Thy power of Thy Word in this evening hour. And we thank Thee in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 3, I'm going to read just a few verses. Starting with verse 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Camp is a very emotional time for many people. It is a week of, of rather immersive study, a, immersive social contacts. And there's a lot of emotions, some good emotions, some bad emotions. But the thing about emotions, the emotions generated at camp may not be enough to take you through the next year, the next two years, the next five, ten, twenty years. And sometimes we have to step back from emotions and look more at things from an intellectual standpoint. You know, as Christians, the one thing that, that we are accused of is, is believing in Christianity, believing in Jesus, and putting intellect aside at the door, and divorcing spiritualness from intellect. And those would say, well, anybody that has faith, anybody that is a Christian, obviously has some problems and isn't intellectually thinking. So this evening, we need to intellectually think, put aside emotions for a while, we want to focus on this question. Do you really believe what you believe is really real? Focus. Put your mental powers to work here and just look at this cold-heartedly. Look at it and think. Do you, do you really believe what you believe is really real? So the bottom line is we are looking for truth. The bottom line, we want to know what truth is. Or most of us do. Most people want to know what truth is. Some people could care less. But the idea that you're here, and unless you were forced to come here by a third party, or a relative, parents, whatever, you have shown that there is some interest in Christianity. And therefore, there is some interest among you in looking for the truth. And you've arrived here, you have a certain set of beliefs, or at least we hope that, that all of you have some beliefs, you believe something about something at this point in life. But the search for truth, this, this battle obviously, why are we searching for truth? Why isn't it self-evident? Why doesn't it come automatically? Why don't we have truth when we are born and deal with it? Why is there a struggle? Why is there a search for the truth? Because the battle began with Adam and Eve. The battle of truth versus a lie, of truth versus imitation, of fakery, began with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And what did the serpent say? 
Now, for some reason, and the Bible doesn't explain it, Satan manifested himself in the form of a serpent, obviously. There was some good reason for it. Maybe because, as the Bible says, the serpent was more subtle, more prudent, more cunning than any other creature God had created. So from the beginning, we have to understand that we are dealing here with God's created order. God created the serpent. God created Satan. And Satan, somewhere between the end of of chapter 1, where it says, last verse of Genesis 1, it says, And God saw that everything that he had made, behold, it was very good. It was very good at the end of chapter 1 of Genesis. Somewhere between that and what we're reading here, things went south. Satan rebelled. And Satan became a liar. Satan became a purveyor of the lie. What did he say? Yea, half God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. In other words, here's a serpent coming up to Eve, and apparently this was rather normal in the garden at that time for certain animals, at least a serpent, to come up to Adam and Eve and start a conversation with them. Because Eve doesn't say she took off flying, she, she took her shotgun out and blew his head off or anything. No, she talked to the serpent. She was not afraid of the serpent. And the sermon says, Eve, things are looking good here. This is one mighty good-looking garden. And it's got some mighty good-looking trees, and there's some mighty good-looking fruit here. And I've heard, Eve, that, that this guy, this God guy, gave you an order that you can't eat from this tree. Now, Eve, that is just nasty. Why would this God, who says he's so good and created you, why would he come around and say, Eve, you can eat of all these other trees, but you can't eat of this one tree? What's the deal, Eve? Is God really telling you the truth? If God was as good as he says, as God is as good as you think he is, why doesn't he say, Eve, go ahead, eat of any tree? Because, Eve, I'm God, I'm good. Go ahead and eat of any tree. Is it possible that that you misunderstood God? Or that God is really a twisted freak? Some kind of a despot, a dictator, and he says, you can't eat of this tree? Who is God to go around telling you these things, Eve? Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Eve, let's get with it now. God is good. Why would God say you can't eat of this tree? And so the thoughts go. Serpent said, after Eve replied, hey, now serpent, you know, God said it. It's the truth. I I just can't eat this tree. I can't even touch it. She added a little bit at the end. I can't even touch it. And the serpent said, ye shall not surely die. First the serpent twists it a little bit and says, are you sure God meant this? And then the serpent goes into the direct lie. You will not die. You shall not die. You shall not surely die. Was that the truth? Was that the truth? Apparently Eve believed it then, and Adam believed it, because they took of the fruit and they ate. And did they drop over dead? No, they did not drop over dead right at that moment. But many years later, yes, they did drop over dead. And at this moment, spiritually, they dropped over dead, because they fell for the lie. So what did they believe in the beginning? They believed what God said. But if you ask them, did they really believe what God said. 
The obvious answer by what they did was, no, we really didn't believe that what God said was really real, was really the truth. So we have this battle between the truth and the lie. And this battle goes on, and it intensifies. And so we grow up, and, and we're looking for something, intellectually. What is going to happen next year? Five years from now, you're thinking, well, I've got to get through school, and then I might go to college, and then I get a job, and blah, blah, blah. But for most of us, we're thinking, hey, I've got to make it through this week, and then the next week. But long-term, intellectually, we're not thinking What's going to happen 50 years down the road? Where am I going to be 50 years down the road? What do I believe that I'm going to be doing 50 years from now? We're self-centered, we think, right now. The here and now, that's it. I got a party this Friday, and I got a party next Friday, and I got this and that. But intellectually, we need to think, where are we going to be five years from now, ten years from now, fifty years from now? So we come here to the camp, and, and we come with certain beliefs. We believe certain things about certain things. I think we all believe that on Saturday sometime, we're going to take off out of here, and we're going home or somewhere else. But we are leaving this camp, we are leaving it alive, upright, on two feet. That's what we believe. And that we really, really believe. I don't think intellectually we have thought about that we may not leave this camp on Saturday, upright, walking on two feet. We may be leaving on a stretcher. We don't know. But we have certain beliefs. We have the belief that we get up in the morning, the sun rises in the east, it will set in the west, and it will do that all week long, and all month long, and the rest of the year. We have the belief that when we get up, gravity will hold us to the floor. When we turn the switch, something will happen. And we really believe that. Because all our lives, we've turned a switch, and most of the time something's happened. And every day of our lives that we've gotten up, our feet are firmly anchored to the floor. That has happened every single day of our lives. So we can say, yes, we really believe that the belief in our gravity of this planet is really real. We believe that gravity is really real. We can say that with some kind of authority, because we have the evidence for it. But there's more important truths. There are more important truths than electricity and gravity and electrons and protons and neutrons and gamma rays and cosmic rays and, and all that other good stuff. There's some more important truths, eternal truths like, where am I going? Where am I going to end up? When I die, what's going to happen? And do I really care what's going to happen? Because, yes, we have the right not just in the society, we have the right as God's creation to say, you know what, I really don't care what happens after I die. I don't care. Or you may say, hey, if I go to hell, I really don't care. That's all right. Nobody can force you. Nobody can force you to go to hell 
or to go to heaven. But do you really believe that's really where you want to go? So in effect, we have a whole marketplace. There's a, there's a whole pot of truths that we can, in quotes, try to believe in or not believe in. The media, every media outlet, has its own version of, quote, the truth. Taking an event, and you can go to all your 200 cable channels and find out it's a little different in each channel, supposedly what the truth is of what actually happened. You can go on the internet and find out another 200 or 2,000 versions, or however many bloggers there are covering an event, you can find out that many different opinions of what they think the truth is and what you may think the truth is. So somewhere in the blogosphere, you can probably find somebody who agrees with your version of the truth, the truth you want. Somebody will agree and say, yes, your truth is right. So you feel good, say, hey, somebody out there agrees with me and says that my version of the truth is truth. But is it? Is it just because you say it's the truth, just because you think it's the truth, is it the truth? Obviously not. There can be only one truth. There can't be many versions of a truth. There is just truth. There's not version 1.1 and 1.2 and 1.3 of truth. There is basically truth. That truth is reality. That truth is what God made is reality, is the truth. And again, you have the right to say, I don't agree with that. I don't think this Bible is truth. I don't think there's a creator. Fine. You have the right to say that. You can have the right to back that up if you can. And if you want to believe that, that's fine. But do you want to go on the rest of your life not knowing for sure what the truth is? The battle for truth. So we have to understand we can pick from a huge, a huge pot of truths. Most of them. All of them, but one actually, are man-made. All the truths outside of God's truth is man-made. Let's look at this. This is what's known as a visual aid. This, for you city slickers, is a cowboy boot. Several things about this cowboy boot. It's old. I'm guessing 15 years old. It was worn. The last time it was worn was about one week ago. Since that, the wearer of this boot has gotten some new boots. Maybe you can guess why. Can everybody see that? There's a hole in this boot. As a matter of fact, there are two holes in this boot. Does everybody see that? Yes? There are some problems with this boot. It's a holy boot. Not in the way we, we use holy usually, but the bottom part, there's two parts here. The bottom part is still nice and shiny. Okay? The top part is full of holes, it's worn, and it looks ugly. 
So you say, okay, we know why it is that way, because you took part of two boots and you put them together to make this visual aid. No, we did not take parts of two boots and put them together. This is the boot. Here's the problem with this boot. While the bottom part still looks wearable, it's still in good shape. The top is worthless. So two issues with the boot. The bottom is leather. Okay, leather, by definition, not man-made. This is God's work, okay? Leather. God's work. The top part is obviously not God's work. This is man-made. This is fake. It's imitation. So we have a dichotomy. This is God-made, the still good-looking part. God-made, top part, junk, man-made. Bottom part, the authentic thing, the real thing, the real cowhide, the real leather. The top part, imitation, fake, junk. So here's the problem with truth. You buy the boot. It looks good. The top part looks like the bottom part. And they both look good. You wear it for 15 years, and the top part is junk. And that's the problem with man-made truth. It looks good from the beginning. You say, yep, that's truth, because why? Because I got authorities in the media that tell me such and such a thing is truth. I have authorities on the internet that tell me such and so is truth. Even my mother and father, my aunts and uncles, my relatives, tell me that such and such is truth. So, is that where we go to get truth? We hook up the cable channels, we go on the internet, we ask people, is that the ultimate arbitrator of truth? If it is, we got problems. If man-made, quote, truth, if man-made truth is the final arbiter of truth, we have problems. You have problems. I have problems. Man-made truth is not going to last. It looks good from the beginning. You might say, yep, this makes sense. What this scientist says about global warming makes sense. Yep, that's the truth. However, next week we come out and say, you know what, this guy wasn't so smart after all. Actually, we don't have global warming, we have global cooling. Okay, well that's the truth because another scientist told me that. Third week out, a third scientist says, you know what, we don't know what's happening actually. It could be getting warmer, it could be getting colder, it could be saying, saying we really don't know. Okay, well that's the truth. And then finally we get to the point you say, you know what, maybe we just have to back down and say, okay, God created this, God knows what's going on, he'll deal with it, okay? But man-made truth is going to get us nowhere. It looks good for a while, it acts good for a while, but in the end it's junk. So how important is man-made truth to you and I? If we look at it intellectually, not emotionally, what are we believing in? What are we believing in? We have certain beliefs. Is what we believe really real? 
Have we thought about it? Past the emotionalism of any subject, past the emotionalism of a global warming or on this or that or the other thing. What is the truth? Eve, at this point, before she had committed this sin, was sinless. She was sinless, but she was also temptable and seducible. And that's the way we are. We can know the truth if we want to know the truth, but we are also temptable and seducible by any other person's version of the truth. In the mass media today, we are seducible to other, quote, truths that other people are trying to peddle. And that's the truth. You say, I believe. I believe what? What do we believe about what we believe? So the first place to start with is, okay, I have to start with the basics. How did I get on this earth? From an intellectual standpoint, how did I get on this earth? Yes, mommy and daddy and all that. But we're talking, how did humanity get on this earth? So the first thing we have to figure out, if we really want to form a proper belief system, and again, you don't have to. You can believe any number of man-made truths if that is what you want to do, understanding that in the end, they will collapse, they will wear out, they will get thrown away, but you are welcome to go to the grave believing in man-made truths. But we hope for better. We hope that you will pursue more than man-made truths. We would hope that you would pursue the truth of God's word. So we have to think, okay, where did humanity come from? We, we have only two choices. We either came from a naturalistic perspective where we just happened, or we were created. And the problem is, more and more, we are being told that, you know what, there is no such thing as special creation. Humanity just happened to happen. It was just a fluke of the laws of physics that produced a first little tiny molecule that first produced a little packet of something. We don't know what it was. We don't know where it came from. But, but we have to assume that something blew up and created not just the universe, but you and I, humanity, and all that. So the truth, the man-made truth that we are being fed is yes. We came from a big bang that just happened. And we say, okay, because the scientists are so smart and they figured this out, we have to say, sure. We just happened to happen. It was just a, a lucky coincidence that somewhere out there a little point of something went boom and everything appeared. We say, okay, that's man-made truth, and, and to get through my college courses, I have to believe that man-made truth. Fine. But is that the truth? The truth is that we look at things intellectually, intellectually again, not emotionally. 
that there is no way that anything happened without a designer, without a creator. Again, from a scientific, rational, logical standpoint, you cannot create even the smallest, the smallest, most primitive life form through things just happening, through random selection and random mutations and survival of the fittest and all the good things that our friend Charles Darwin put into a book form. That was great for man-made truths. But look at that and say, prove it to me. Instead of taking a man-made truth and saying, yep, that's the way it is because so-and-so said it is, you need proof. You need proof. And it's very simply, intellectually true that not anything of even the most primitive life form can just happen. So you have to, from the beginning, believe one way or the other that you are just the product of random chance or you the product of design and creation and God. There are just two ways to go on this. The basic issue, what do you believe? You believe you're random or do you believe you're God created? If you say I'm random, then really there's no point of even being here. If you say yes, I'm just a random compilation of many changes over billions of years, there's no reason for you to be here. If you have already decided that the truth for you is random, there's no sense looking further for any more truth because you have just, in essence, rejected further truth. So if we want to look at real truth and God's truth, we have to begin and understand that that is only with a creator God. And we can't separate these things, say, you know what, on Saturdays and Sundays, or maybe just on Sundays, I'll say, yes, God created me the six, seven days, the five, six days of the week. Other than that, I'll say, yep, it was random chance because my science teacher told me that. Again, we cannot divorce. We cannot divorce the intellect from faith. Please don't let anybody tell you that you can put your intellect on one side and deal with things and then put your faith on the other side. You can't do that. That is not truth. So let's assume that, that most of us believe that there is a creator God. So what do we do with that? Where do you go further? You say, well, you know, uh, I believe that there's a heaven and a hell. That's good. That's the truth. I believe that I'm going to heaven, okay? Do you really believe that what you believe is really real? I'm going to heaven. Do you really believe that that belief of yours is really real? Again, you have the choice of saying, I don't want to go to heaven. But I would think for your own good, for your own benefit, thinking ahead again, intellectually, not emotionally, it would be a good thing to go to heaven. It's a great place, why not? Why not go there? Some people don't want to go to good places, okay. But let's say you believe you're going to heaven, you have to look at this intellectually and say, okay, why do I think I'm going to heaven? 
You know, most people will say, you know, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. Okay, so we're good people. And we believe that. Great. You say, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. Well, why are you a good person? Well, because I'm following Jesus. What does that mean, following Jesus? Everybody come forward, we'll have an altar call, and we'll all say, we're going to follow Jesus. What does that mean? Break it down. What does follow Jesus mean? Okay, you say, well, follow Jesus is easy. I have to be good. Uh, I can't commit any crimes. Uh, I have to be nice to my neighbor. I have to give some money to the poor. I have to fight global repression. I have to fight poverty in third world countries. Uh, Let's see, I have to fight the greed and the lust for money of the corporate people. I have to fight the, the people in big oil and all these bad people. I have to save the environment. All those things make me good. And that's what Jesus would do, right? You know, what would Jesus do? Well, Jesus would, you know, cut the, cut the pay rate of the, of the corporate presidents. Jesus would do this. Jesus would do that. Would he? Did Jesus say anywhere, I've got to cut the pay scale of the people working in the temple? I've got to cut the pay scale of the people running the businesses? I've got to cut the pay scale of the Romans? Where did Jesus ever say anything about taking care of corporate greed or non-corporate greed? or saving the environment, or doing this or doing that, which are all great things, but is that really the truth of Jesus? You say, well, yeah, that's living the good life. That's living the life Jesus would live. Okay, that's living the life Jesus would live. Where's that getting you? It's going to get you nowhere fast. In 50 years, you say, I'm still living the life that Jesus lived. That's great. You're changing your practices. You're changing from, you know, yelling at your neighbor to, to giving your neighbor cookies every Christmas. That's great. Is that getting you any closer to heaven? Absolutely not. So if we say, yeah, we're going to heaven because we're, we're nice and we're living like Jesus would live and we're doing what Jesus would do, that's all great. But in the end, it doesn't cut it. It's not getting you anywhere closer to heaven. The truth is that Jesus said... We are sinners, we need to repent, and if we don't, we're going to hell. That's the bottom line, that's the basic message. All this stuff about, you know, the modern Christians living like Jesus did and and trying to follow what he did and what would Jesus do, that's all great, but we have lost the message, we have lost the truth that what Jesus really said is, you are sinners, you need to repent, or you're going to hell. And that is truth. So it's easy to go and say, I'm living like Jesus did. And everybody looks and says, whoa, he's living like Jesus. She's living like Jesus. What an example. They're living like Jesus. And when they're dead, they're going to hell. They're going to hell because they missed the truth of what Jesus really came for. It wasn't to make things all better and hunky-dory and that we can all live in luxury That wasn't the point. The point is to repent, to be converted. That is the truth that we have to deal with. So if you really believe that you're going to heaven because you're good or you're living like Jesus or you're doing all the things that Jesus would do, that's just another lie. 
That's a man-made lie. Because you can live like Jesus and you can do all the things Jesus would do, except you're going to hell. And that's the truth. Let's put the emotions aside, okay? This is no scaring. This is no, you know, getting people all worked up here. This is just the truth. You're going to hell, okay? Some people say, I don't care. I'm going to hell. Okay, for those of us who do care, the truth of the matter is, if you're good and living like Jesus would live, that's not enough. Do you really believe that what you believe is really real? Way down deep. Sift it through the brain cells. Use your brain. Think about what you believe. You th- you, you, you've got to take these things apart and look at them. Do you really believe what you believe is really real? The problem with those of us who, who like thinking we're living the, the, doing the right things and living the right life and living like Jesus, it's just a change in our practices. Okay? Instead of going to Kroger's to do our shopping, we'll go to Myers. okay? We're just changing our practices. It's not getting us anywhere. God is demanding a change in status. God demands a change in status, not a change in practice. He demands repentance, going from a status of being unsaved to a status of saved. That's what the life is. That's what the truth is. And that's all that really matters. You can change your practices all you want, and it looks great. But if we're still around in 50 years and we come back and find some of us long gone, we'll have to wonder, was it just a show, or did they really believe what the truth was? So if we change our practices, it doesn't get us anywhere. Remember that. We change our practices, it gets us nowhere. If we try to refurbish our morals and our ethics, it gets us nowhere. We, here in America, have a certain presidential candidate who's all about hope and change. And when he gets done taxing us, that's all we're going to have left is a few bucks of change. Just an aside. But hope and change is not going to get us anywhere. Okay, we hope and we change. So we, we refurbish our morals. We refurbish our ethics. We refurbish the way we live. And we say, man, this is change. I'm changed, so now I have hope to go to heaven. Hope and change isn't going to cut it either. Hope and change isn't going to get us to heaven. And if you really believe that, and you think that belief in hope and change is really real, you've got to rethink it. Rethink it. Because Jesus said, he's got a claim on exclusivity, Jesus does. In John chapter 14, he said, verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, talking to Thomas, I am what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That is a claim of exclusivity. Jesus is saying there's only one way to the Father, therefore only one way through heaven, and that's through me. That is a truth. That is a claim of exclusivity. 
and if we think there's any other truths that will get us around the exclusive claims of Jesus, we are deluding ourselves. If you say, I'm living the good life, but I'm going to follow somebody else. I'll live the good life just like Jesus would do, but I, I really like the Hindu way of doing things or the Buddhist way of doing things. You know, if you go to India, there are thousands of idols and gods you can worship if you want. There is no exclusivity. But Jesus demands exclusivity. So if you like the way Hindus do it or Buddhists do it or Muslims do things, you know, that's fine, but can you really answer the question? If I believe in Islam or Hindu or Buddha, is that really real? And the answer is no, that is not really real. That is man-made Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism. Everything you can think of is what? It's man-made trash, okay? It's worthless. And yeah, maybe we're trying to offend people, but it's the truth. It's all man-made. And then it's all worthless. It's going to crumble. It's going to rot. It's going to get holes in it. So if you're looking for man-made truth, you can pick out whatever you want. It's there. You can find something that appeals to you. But you have to understand that the, the question, at the end of all that searching and digging and whatever you're doing to find what you want to believe, do you really believe that what you believe is really real? And if you can say, yes, it is really real, and basically, you have come to the truth of God's word because everything else is really not real. It's really fake. It's really imitation. And it's going to fall apart just like this imitation stuff here. So live the good life. Do things Jesus would do. You know, that's a great start. But if you end it there you haven't found the truth. You keep going that way, that's fine. You'll end up in hell. Just live in the way Jesus lived. If you haven't also done what he commanded, and repent and convert, and change that status, not just your practices, but your status. And you have that will, that freedom to choose, whether you want to or not. But if you want to, you need to change that status from unsaved to saved through Jesus Christ. Eric.